Hey, I uh, just wanted to hop on here real quick. Um, this podcast was recorded prior to Hampton suspending the 2021 spring sport season. Um, so you know, the question that does pertain to Hampton in here, um, which will be towards the end of the podcast, everything mentioned in there, um, you know, push that back a year um, for what I say. And there, as as far as year one goes with Chaz Woodson as the head coach, um, push everything back a year um, now. So did want to mention that uh, this podcast was recorded before Hampton suspended their 2021 season, uh, which happened on Friday afternoon, uh, just literally 30 minutes after finishing recording this podcast. Just wanted to get that in there. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Canada Wing here with y'all as always. Um, today's episode going to be a mailbag-only edition. Um, diving into the mailbag, thanks to all y'all who sent in questions on Instagram and Twitter. Um, got a few uh, Facebook messages as well, so thank all y'all for doing that. Um, I have picked three out of the mailbag of about 25, um, the three best ones, um, and a couple of these pertain to kind of, I've mixed two together, um, but again, thank you all for all y'all, uh, who sent in questions. Um, this first one, can Yale make the third championship weekend trip? Um, short answer, uh, yes, absolutely they can. Uh, Yale, they've returned T.D. Irwin for an extra season. I think that uh, in itself just automatically puts them in that top in that category of maybe the group of five to six teams that's sitting here in late October, early November um, that have a chance to make it. Uh, to Memorial Day weekend. I, I do think Yale is a team that can do that. Um, obviously, they're not all TD Irwin. Um, they do return Jack Starr, who I don't know if it was injuries um, or what, but I do believe he was battling some injury stuff last year. Brody Wilson, who is now graduated, uh, played the majority of time in goal, but we know what Jack Starr can be. Uh, we know Chris Fake is one of the best defensemen not only in the Ivy League, but in the country. And, uh, you know, this Yale defense, um, they, they, they've been a strong unit over the past couple seasons, and I don't, I don't expect that to change. Um, obviously, T.D. Irwin is the X factor um, and the main reason why um, you know, many are tapping them as a championship weekend contender already. Um, offensively, you know, Matt Blandow is back. Thomas Bragg is back, both at attack. And then Brian Tevlin looks to be the top midfielder. Um, you know, I am a bit worried about their offense, to be honest with y'all. Um, but you know, TD is going to get them the ball, and they're going to work it. Um, so I'm, I'm not like I'm not worried in the sense that like I don't think they're going to be good because they're still going to be good. But they do lose quite a bit of points from their top five guys last year. Um, they lose, I believe, forty. Three points from last season. Like, that's a big chunk. That is a pretty big chunk of offense to be losing. Um, 
from last season. Now, is that something that can easily be replaced at a program like Yale where they have consistently um, rebuilt or reloaded? Yeah. Um, So you lose Matt Gaudet, Jackson Morrill, um, as well as Lucas Cotler, uh, Morrill and Cotler going out to Denver to play for Bill Tierney. And I think that that's going to make that Denver squad even better. Um, but does hurt for Yale losing those guys. So I'm going to be looking for, I think the big thing to look here is how do guys like Christian Klopp, who had a, had five points last year as a junior, as a midfielder, um, how do you know Logan uh, Solberg? Uh, he was a freshman midfielder last year. Kyle uh, Zadowski, n- no, I butchered that name, uh, sophomore attackman last year. How do guys like that, uh, Brady McDermott, another sophomore attackman, how do guys like that step up um, and really take charge on that offensive end? How do those guys step up? Um, I think that's going to be the biggest question. But overall, yeah, I, I do think this team is 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 ready to make a championship weekend run again. Um, as I mentioned, they've got some youthness on that offense that I, I think it'll, you know, you might see them drop a game or two um, to uh, Villanova, uh, per se, or to UMass, uh, or whoever, a team like that, early in the season. Obviously, we don't have schedules out yet. I uh, wish we did. Uh, but I think they will drop maybe t- one more game than they usually do. But I think with TD Irwin, uh, this offense is going to get all the reps they need, all the live reps in-game they need to really develop, um, e- even against the, the best competition. Now, this uh, second question here, I got this, and I've gotten this multiple times since the summer, Um from people, and um, I, I think this is going to be, this is a question that it's going to relay heavily, not only on what these teams were able to do in the fall uh, because of the uh, coronavirus uh, outbreak or pandemic, as you'd say, um, but it based on, you know, what the ceiling for that team is this year. And so the question is, which first-year head coach will do the best in year one? Um, I am going to eliminate Connor Busick from this discussion. He's not a full-time head coach. He's an interim head coach. Um, but adding him into this discussion, he's one or two. He's one or two. I think that Cornell team is built to win. Um, I, I really don't think it matters. And he was on the staff prior. So you're just putting another guy in charge, um, you know, essentially for this year. Maybe he gets hired back as the full-time guy at the end of the year. I don't know. Um, but when you look at the full-time head coaches, new head coaches, we have Peter Millman at Johns Hopkins, James Papilla at VMI, Chaz Woodson at Hampton, and Chad Sugman at Mercer. Um, and... What I did for this was I, I ranked them one to four. Um, so number one is Peter Milliman at Johns Hopkins. Um, I know Hopkins was bad last year, but 
They have some talent. They they have some good young players coming in as freshmen. Peter Milliman has had success at Cornell. He's shown that he's a good head coach. He's shown that he can rebuild a program. Um, And I know that's up for discussion for how much he rebuilt Cornell and how much was already set in stone. Um, But, like, he he did a good job there, and I think he's going to do a good job at Hopkins. And with Hopkins being in the Big Ten, you know, I don't expect them to go on a championship weekend run or anything like that. I don't even expect them to win the Big Ten. I expect them to fight it out with Michigan for that last spot. And that's just based on what I saw from them, how they played at the end of last year. Once I see them under Milliman, under John Gant Jr. as the offensive coordinator and uh, Kostner as the defensive coordinator, I like both those hires. I think they're going to do good. Um, I think this could be a pretty quick turnaround for Hopkins. So I know Hopkins fans will love to hear that. Um, I do think he's going to be the best head coach in terms of um, setting things in motion uh, and maybe win-loss record here in year one. Uh, certainly win-loss record, I would say. Number two is Chad Sermon. And at most, you know, they had their best starting program history last year. I think you, you just he was named the interim and now had that tag removed actually earlier this week. You insert him in there. They had a fiery offense last year. Their defense is pretty solid. Um, depending on what the schedule looks like, I think they could have a similar start um, this year as they did last year. Now, what they do up against a Richmond, a High Point, an Air Force, a Jacksonville, I don't know. That is going to be uh, the true test against those kind of SOCON powers that have been competing for the SOCON title year in and year out, especially Richmond and High Point. Um, So we'll see uh, what happens there with Mercer. But I do think Chad Sermon, I have him ranked as that number two. James Papilla, um, VMI has not been a very good program um, in terms of win-loss record. Uh, but they have made strides in areas such as um, their defense has been pretty solid, and they have um, – I talked to Coach Papilla about this back in July, and they have – VMI has shrunk the – deficit the like when like the deficit in terms of losses they've shrunk the average loss deficit like I think quicker than any other D1 team in the country and yeah I don't think they're gonna be I, I still don't think they're gonna be um, very competitive in year one but I think he's gonna do some good things there. He's been there before. He knows a lot of the guys there. Um, he was just an assistant, what, two years ago, three years ago um, at VMI. So I do think he's going to do a good job. Win-loss record, we might not see that yet, but I think two, years, two three years on the road, 
maybe even in 2022, we start seeing VMI win some games uh, that they might have not have won a few years ago. And they've been being more competitive each and every year um, over the past few seasons. So I do think uh, Papilla uh, is the guy there. Uh, Chaz Woodson. Love Chaz Woodson. Uh, had the pleasure of talking to him over the summer uh, back in August um, about him taking this Hampton job. Um, look, Hampton, it, it's a it's a different situation than any of these. They're a newer program. They've yet to win their first D1 game. Um, they are still in the building process. They lose uh, Kevin Mondy Jr., and Ian Groom transfers to Hartford. Those are the two best players, goalie and faceoff man. I watched them play last year um, in person uh, when they came here to Louisville and took on Bellarmine. They got creamed, uh, but those two guys were by far um, their best players. Um, the size of the roster, I think, did play into a part of that as they did look like they got tired. Um, and, I mean, they have guys that can play. They are not bad. Um, and I do, Hampton, uh, I know they're not doing fall ball. They are uh, pretty much like doing fall ball via Zoom, basically like at home type thing, because um, they're not on campus. So that does play into it. I do think Hampton's, I think Hampton's going in the right direction. Woodson's the right guy for the job. He can definitely take them to that next level. Um, that they need to go to, um, but it, 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 you know, in terms of win loss record, I do think he's you know Chaz Woodson will be that fourth best um, head coach this year, and um, you know he he's never coached college before, and you know when I talked to him back in August, he you know he acknowledged that he's like yeah I've never been a college coach before, never coached college lacrosse before at all. Uh, but you know he, he he did say you know X's and O's are the same, uh, whether you're in high school or college. Um, you know he obviously is one of the smartest lacrosse uh, brains in the country. Um, he knows what he's doing, and uh, it is definitely going to be um, a good future for Hampton. But at the moment, right now, just don't just cannot see them. Uh, they might win their first D one game this year. I hope they do. Uh, but I can't see them getting more than maybe one or two wins um, just based on who they lose, what they have back. Um, they also lose a couple other key players as well on defense and maybe a few on offense as well. Uh, but I mean, they've got some studs there. They've got guys that can play. Uh, they've got some really good freshmen coming in that I think will be exciting to watch. Uh, so we'll see what they do in the future. Coming into this third question here and final question of the podcast, and this one will be take up the, the, the bulk of the podcast, who are almost only about 15 minutes in right now. Um, which program takes the biggest leap in 2021? Um, this is a very difficult question to answer, mainly because we only got part of a season last year, so we never really got to see the actual packing order. Um in some of these smaller conferences. Obviously, some are pretty easy to figure out like where teams would have finished and who was better and who was worse based on the what they did out of conference. Um, but as far as like 
figuring out the exact order of like the mid-tier of a mid-major conference is a bit harder when you don't see that conference play. Um, so what I've done here is I've taken all the 13 teams that either had one win or were winless last season. And of those 13, I've picked three whom I think can make a sizable, and I'm doing the air quotations right now, sizable jump in 2021. Now, sizable does not mean going winless to winning your conference or being in that conference title game or even being in the postseason. What I mean by sizable is having the ability to go winless or one win last year, jump up, and at least have the ability to get to that 500 mark, maybe even above. Those three teams are Quinnipiac, Towson, and LIU. Now, I'm going to throw Cleveland, Cleveland State in here as an extra one. They won two games, and they're independent, but I'm just going to throw them into this conversation because I do think that they could make a decent jump next season, even though they don't meet the parameters I set as a one-win or winless team. And the reason I did that is because, like, Notre Dame had two wins. Like, they're obviously going to be a good team. We didn't get a full season. You have a lot of teams with two wins that would have won maybe eight games. So that's why I left it at zero and one win, and then I'll add Cleveland State in here. So Quinnipiac, they were 0-6 last year. Um, they tend to have this trend of going, of having like one or two good years and then dipping and then like shooting back up again <laughs> and competing at the top of the map. Um, right now, I have them, and I'll put out my preseason, my early conference rankings here in uh, about December, uh, like late December, around like Christmas or on the holiday time. I'll put out my early preseason rankings. Um, but right now, I'd put them third in the MAC. Um, and that would be behind Marist and Detroit Mercy, if I'm uh, thinking that correctly. Um, I think those would be the two teams above them. And Detroit Mercy has had some hype in um, prior years, and they've. They have some ability. So I, I have Quinnipiac as like one of the top three teams. Obviously, Marist, I think, is the best and going to win the conference. But Quinnipiac, I have as like in that third uh, spot right now. Um, senior attackman Jake Tomisk uh, was the co preseason uh, conference player of the year last year. Um, kid's a stud. He's the best offensive player they have. Um, and then with him, they have a good mix of young guys and a ton of experienced guys like Tomisk. Um, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, coming back on both ends. And I really do feel like Konopiak with the, that mix of, of kind of younger guys or guys that were younger last year and some of these older guys can make a pretty uh, sizable jump 
Um, they certainly have to clean it up in certain areas, especially on defense. Um, and the face off that, if I remember correctly, um, but I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I do think they can make a pretty good jump and maybe even make a postseason run within the MAC this season. Towson, they were 0-6 last year, and I'm just going to say this to start off. Towson was simply awful. They were simply awful last season. Worst Sean Nadlin team I can remember. Even worse than that explosive team they had in 2018. But with a guy like Kobe Smith coming back on the defensive end, uh, I think they can reclaim that defensive-minded identity that we associate with Sean Nadlin and with Towson. Um, Kobe Smith, one of the best poles in the country. Um, last year, they used him more as a guy. I think they put him on the wings to face off a couple times and used him more as an LSM as well, too. Um, and then with with Smith, they bring back Shane Brennan and Cage. And they return a, a heap of uh, talented uh, fifth-year guys uh, like Brody McLean on, on the offensive end. Um, and then plenty of good younger offensive guys who struggled a bit last year. Um, now, the biggest issue for them, and I haven't looked at who they have coming back at the face-off dot, but losing Alex Woodall was tragic for them. And we saw that last year. That's the biggest issue. If they like, If they don't fix that, I think they could still struggle, but I do think they have enough pieces and this defense should be more experienced, especially Smith is a fifth-year guy. Um, and Brennan um, and Cage, uh, I really like what he brings to the table. I think they should be able to kind of get things rolling again. Um, obviously, the CAA is a pretty competitive league, and will be this year. I, I don't have them right now, like in my top five in that conference. Well, maybe my top five, but I don't have them competing for a conference title. I I definitely do not think they will go winless or have like three wins. Like I definitely think they will get more than like three wins, five wins next year, um, especially if they can figure out at the phase off dot and. Look, Sean Sean Adlin's a really good coach. Towson is a premier mid-major program. I expect them to bounce back. LIU, second year heading into Division I play. They were 1-6 last season. Um, at least right now, I'm telling people that this is my true dark horse in the NEC. Obviously, I don't actually believe they will win the conference. Like I really, I do not believe that. So, so don't, do not take that and say, well, no. Tanner said the, you know, LIU's going to win the conference. The dark horse. I don't believe they're going to win the conference. Hobart, St. Joe's are obviously the top two teams there, um, and Mount St. Mary's is that third team, right? I think I don't think they can beat Hobart or Mount St. Mary's. They might, uh, excuse me, in St. or St. Joe's, they can compete with Mount St. Mary's. I don't think they're competing with Hobart or with uh, St. Joe's, um, at least as things sit right now. And looking at it, you know, here in October. But 
when you look at how many young players played well for LIU last season, as well as some of the uh, more veteran guys that really stepped up and played quite well in the first years of Division I, uh, you've got to be optimistic about the future of this program. Uh, Richie uh, uh, Calandra, I believe is how you pronounce it, Calandra, um, was the leading scorer as a freshman, 28 points. Will Mark, also a freshman, started in goal for them, was number one in the nation in saves per game, 25th in the nation in save percentage, 15.29 saves per game, uh, 52 roundup, 53% save percentage. Um, they will need to tighten up things on the back end. You know, people always say, like, oh, you know, number one in, in saves per game. Yeah, it means he's a good goalie. But that means your defense, not all the time, but a lot of times, and it does in this case, means your poles and, and, and your D-mids, they ain't doing their job, and your goalie's just getting peppered. Like, that happened a lot with this team last year. So, they got to tighten up on the back end. Got to tighten up with the face-off dot. You cannot go 33% and win games. But after 71 games under their belt, and a, and a lot of younger and older guys, um, a lot of younger guys, um, a year older and some of these older guys having that D1 experience now, they could surprise and uh, maybe make a run for the postseason. So LIU, uh, I am pretty high on LIU coming into this season just simply by what they have coming back, especially the youth. Does that mean they're going to go? And like I said, does that mean they're going to win the, I believe they're going to win the conference? Heck no. But do believe they will uh, be one of the teams that can make the biggest leap from last year to this year. Um, Cleveland State here, last thing on the podcast here. Cleveland State, two wins last year, beat Air Force and Bellarmine, who also had a first-year head coach. Um, they, lost, they lost a pretty young Marquette team um, by one goal, and I think Marquette's actually going to make some noise in Stimmel's second year. Um, Cleveland State has a ton of talent back, especially fifth-year guys. Um, and because of that, like it's almost like a like a second-year zero for Andy German. Um, the Vikings won't – and I'm going to say this. The Vikings, like I'm not saying they're going to go to any postseason or anything like that. They're an independent. They're not. They're not getting an invitation and at college to the NCAA tournament. But – I do believe they could eclipse um, or at least get to that eight-win mark that we saw them get to in 2019. They Look, look, they've got some talent um, on this squad. I like the direction this program's going in under Andy German. Uh, you know, and, and I mentioned talent, like, and I'm not just talking about these fifth-year guys coming back. A lot of sophomores and juniors played last year, a ton um, on both ends. You know, yes, they've got some areas to clean up, but I, I really do like this Cleveland State team, and I think that they could, again, be one of the teams that makes the biggest leap from 2020 to 2021. 
Well, guys, that is all I got for y'all today um, on the podcast. As always, you can check us out. You can su- like and uh, like and subscribe. This is not YouTube. Um, as always, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave a review. That's 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 what it is. Leave a review um, on Apple Podcast. Um, we're also available on Spotify, Google Podcast, and pretty much all the main uh, podcast apps um, as well. Social media at Lacrosse Bucket. My personal at Hannah underscore Dimlin. LacrosseBucket.com where it's always lacrosse season. See y'all soon.